Good morning. We're going to be in Hebrews 11th chapter this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look at uh, 13 and 14 to coincide with uh, Brother Craig's lesson this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. These all died in faith without receiving the promises, but seeing them from a distance and walking in them and admitting that they were strangers and temporary residents on the earth, for those who say such, for those who say such things make clear that they are seeking a homeland. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning, and Father, we, we know so much about you and in the stories that we've read and the history of your people. And we're thankful, Father, that you are a God who, who concerns himself with us, who has given himself to us through many adventures, and especially, Father, we're appreciative of the adventure at the cross. We're thankful, Father, for witnessing to us the truth that uh, can change our lives. We're thankful, Father, for giving us the promise of a homeland, a place secure, a place that we can look forward to. Father, we ask that you continue with us as we are just weak people who struggle through difficulties in our lives. Whether it's open sin or, Father, through our intolerance or through our ignorance or whatever possesses our mind not to look at you, Father, we pray that you forgive us. Father, we ask your blessings this morning on the church here and that your hand may rest on us as we continue to work and, and tell your vineyard that we might, Father, continue to be an aid to this area of the country that needs so much to hear about Jesus. We're thankful, Father, for Philip this morning who has uh, offered his life to you, who's given himself, and Father, we're thankful for that. We rejoice with that. And so we pray, Father, that you rest your hand on his home and, and on him, and may your grace be uh, overbearing to him that he might uh, uh, enjoy the, the blessings of knowing Jesus in such a way that uh, uh, his life is forever changed. Thank you for his courage and his willingness in this step. And we pray, Father, that uh, you help his family as they, as they see your grace growing in him. Father, we pray for Craig this morning as he is about to break a lesson to us. We know, Father, that he studied. We know that his, his desire is to teach the truth and that his desire, Father, is for us to grow. We're thankful that he's serving here as an elder as well as the others, and we're thankful, Father, that he's willing to teach and preach from your word. Bless his lesson and bless our hearts that we might readily receive it. Thank you for all you do through us, among us, around us, in us, and for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning and welcome, each and every one of you. It's good to have you here with us this morning. I did remember uh, one announcement we didn't make that I'd like to share with us. I know it was announced Wednesday night, but those who participated in the phone campaign for Schultz-Lewis uh, monies, 
for the rest of you to know and encourage you in case you want to be part of that next year, we do it annually. Uh, This past year, or this year, we raised $9,270 for the children's home down there. So we want to thank each and every one of you who were there from was there from calling from 5.30 till 9 o'clock last Tuesday evening. So uh, some new people did it, and uh, hopefully they'll be back next year and are encouraged by it. So we just want to share that good news with you today as well. Uh, We are going to be in uh, talking this morning, hopefully uh, share something with each and every one of you that here on this earth, as uh, Dennis read from Hebrews chapter 3, I use the uh, New King James Version. His version is called uh, the word that I'm going to use that you don't have. But we'll look in First Peter. The word is there as well. But we sing songs uh, in, uh, that uh, uh, talks about this world is not my home. Uh, in song 795, we sing that song. And maybe we'll read the, verse, uh, the words to that song here in a little bit. We sing the song... To Canaan's land, I'm on my way. Uh, Beulah land. I used to think, who is this Beulah woman? And why did she get her own land? But it's talking about heaven and how we're headed to there. And, and that uh, there is a land that's prepared for us. Uh, but before we do that, we'll look at some things that we are called as we walk this earth uh, here. As we journey our way towards our home in heaven. I know it's a phrase that I hear, uh, from the sweet grass to the packing house, from birth till death, we're all travelers between the eternities. We're going somewhere. The question is, where are you going? Are you going to that land where the tears will be wiped away from your face and there'll be no more tears? Or are you going to that place where there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There's only two places we're headed as we sojourn here. Which way are we heading? Throughout the New Testament, various phrases are used to describe the people of God and that make up the Lord's church. Individually, we are referred to as disciples, saints, believers, priests, and Christians, as we studied this morning in Acts chapter 11, Verse 26, we didn't quite get there. Collectively, though, we are called the church, the church of God, churches of Christ, the body of Christ, the temple of God, the family of God. And each of these terms describes a various relationship that is maintained by each of us who are called Christians. An interesting phrase, though, and not commonly used in reference to God's people is found in our reading in Hebrews 11, uh, there, 13 through 16, and 1 Peter 1, 1. In, uh, ver- in Hebrews, chapter, verse 13, it says these, it's a chapter of faith. And he's talking about all the heroes of faith before this verse. And he said, these all died in faith, not having received the promises but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And in 1 Peter uh, chapter uh, 1 and verse 1, we find the phrase where Peter addresses the pilgrims of the dispersion. 
So let's take a look at these phrases and maybe they can help us uh, find, define and give us an insight into what is really meant by these, to this term. And it's going to help us to identify what the purpose of the Christian life is. So we want to find that out. The second thing we want to find out as a Christian who is journeying here on planet Earth, we have an important responsibility. What is that responsibility? And of course, we want to realize and see what our true home is and our goal is in life. So let's take a look at the, the, the finding of the pilgrims of the dispersion that Peter talked about. Thayer defines the word pilgrims uh, as one who comes from a foreign country into a city or land to reside there by the side of natives. Perhaps this will bring back memories of your high school or even grade school history classes where we learned about the Mayflower and how the Europeans got on the Mayflower and journeyed to Pilgrim's Rock, or Plymouth Rock, not Pilgrim's Rock. Then they got off of Plymouth Rock, and we see the first Thanksgiving and your pictures in your history book. That's the only thing I could read is the pictures. But you had this meal going on, and these natives, the Indians, and these pilgrims coming together to share, share a meal. And if it wasn't for the natives, we know that, we, that all these European guys would have starved out the first year they were here. So we get that picture of what a pilgrim is in our mind very early in age. And Thayer describes it also as a stranger. I think we're strangers. Uh, was so, sojourning in a strange place, a foreigner. And in the New Testament, it's interesting, we see a reference to heaven as our native land, our native country. That is a native. And one who sojourns on earth, so as Christians in 1 Peter 1, 1 and also Hebrews there. It talked about the patriarchs, the chapter of faith in Hebrews eleven thirteen, And we know how Abraham was called out of a country and he sojourned uh, there in the land that he was to inherit. So another definition uh, from the Zovander uh, Pictorial Encyclopedia of the Bible uh, says, one who stays in a place as a stranger or visitor to describe Christians who find citizenship is in heaven and who are required, regarded as temporary dwellers here on earth. Just temporary dwellers. The meaning of the word dispersion is a Greek word, the uh, spora, which means to sow or to scatter seed. And the term is found in John chapter 7 and verse 35, where it refers to the Jews who were scattered among the Greeks as a result, of course, of the Syrian and Babylonian captivities. This has caused some to believe that uh, Peter here was writing to the Jewish Christians who were living in the regions of Asia Minor or the modern-day Turkey. But there is good reason to believe that Peter was writing to all the Christians, both Jewish and Gentile, uh, who were scattered throughout Asia Minor. Peter uses terms... Uh, once limited to the Jews, but now applies to all who are in Christ. For example, terms like elect in 1 verse 2, uh, uh, holy nation, 1 Peter 2, 9, and people of God, uh, Peter 2 and verse 10, 1 Peter. If this be so, then Peter implies by using the term pilgrim of the dispersion that all Christians are Pilgrims living in a world 
not their own. We're like scattered seed spread out among those in the world. With this understanding of the phrase of the dispersion, we can hopefully draw some insights to imply by it to our lives here today. It reveals what the Christian life really is. It is but a journey begun when we first became Christians, when we obeyed the gospel, ending only when we reach our destination. We're on a journey. This ought to affect our whole view on life here as we pilgrim here in this strange land. Now, Steve Diggs wrote a book called Don't, uh, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Guess what? It's all small stuff. So we realize that in life, it takes on a different picture, a different meaning. Your worst thing you're going through in the big picture of things is only small stuff in this journey as we're walking on toward our true home. Life in itself is not an end in itself. It doesn't end, it doesn't end when you die like a rover, you're dead all over. No, it's just the beginning, a new chapter in life. We're on a temporary trip you know, headed towards our final destination. If you want to turn over to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, Paul describes here how we're, his body is, the tent, you know, we're just a tent, a temporary tent. And 4, 16 through 18, who are, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Our spirit is being renewed on this journey day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but to the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's hard to grasp when you live in a life full of uh, materialism and everything that we have in contact, we feel, hear, touch, our senses. And the things that are really and truly important are invisible. You can't see. You can't touch. But you believe and we have faith. And we walk by faith and not by sight, we're told also, Paul said. Our homes and our work take on a different meaning when reviewed in this light, that we're just on a journey. We're just pilgrims here. We take on the big picture. And we're always wanting to do things to our houses, our homes, to improve them. There's nothing wrong with that. But I have a go-to phrase, and Catherine knows it. She can probably quote it for you. It's Proverbs 27, 20. Every time she comes up with a project, I go to this verse. What is it? Hell and destruction are never full, and the eyes of men are never satisfied. Well, that works for about five seconds, and then I say, all right, let's do that, honey. <laughs> so we start a project, and we get it done, and she's happy, and I'm happy. But I said she could do it, so for better or for worse, right? Oh, it's for the better for both of us. But Anyway, in 1 Timothy, we're taught, uh, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Wow, how do you get that? And Timothy goes on to say, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can take and carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these shall you be content. Some of the most content people I know 
I've seen and met in third world countries. They live in dirt floor houses, roof that you could throw a cat through, and the happiest people I know are some of the poorest people on God's green earth. When I was in the hospital for 21 days, some of the most sincere and loving people that wasn't the one with the high degrees and the PhDs and who administered all the protocol to be followed, it was the servants who come in at night and clean the room or the puke or whatever foul thing come out of my body onto the floor and cleaned it up that actually brought a card or a flower and, and encouragement. It was the poorest people who had connection with me. It wasn't the doctors who told me I couldn't go home. It was the poor people who were the happiest. They were the most content, I concluded. They had a true connection with God and with his fellow people that they'd come in contact with, and they used it. We view why we work in God's eyes and not man's. Man's eyes are work so that you can have, so that you can do, so that you can buy. It's man's eyes, God's eyes. In Ephesians 4, 28, he says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. We find a purpose in our work. It's not only provide for our own families as we're told we should do, or you're worse than an infidel, but you're also to provide for those you come in contact along your journey who are in need. And it could be anybody. It doesn't, and especially, we're told in Galatians, those who are of the faith. We view how we work in a different light. In Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24, and whatever you do, do it heartily as unto who? The Lord, and not to man. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. What was that inheritance? The promised land. For you serve the Lord Christ. This should affect how we look upon death. It's not the end of life, but the end of our journey. It's the end of the journey, the walk here on earth. Death is. In Philippians 1 and verse 21, Paul said, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Death is not the end of life, but the beginning of eternity in our true home. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. As we journey in this life, it takes on a whole new purpose. We know the way. We know the way because Christ has showed us the way. He came down from heaven where he had everything, and it became, as C.S. Lewis said, like a worm. In other words, a man. He took on the flesh. He was tempted in every way we are, but he did not falter. He did not fail. He was that true lamb, that sacrifice, to die for our sins. And if we walk here on earth as he walked, and we're about his business, we do know the way. And he goes on in verse 6, says, I am the way, the truth, and the light, 
Anyone who believes in him, the Father is in the Father. And he saves. He is the only way to the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we do know the way, those who journey with Jesus. Embark on this journey, we become like our spiritual father, Abraham. And notice in Hebrews chapter 11, if you're still in that, verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place in which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreigner country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. If this is our attitude towards life, then God is not ashamed to be called our God, and we can honestly sing songs, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. I can't feel a home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. My Savior pardoned me, and now I onward go. I know he'll take me through, though I'm weak and poor, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I have a loving Savior up in glory land. I don't expect to stop until I with him I stand. He's waiting on me now in heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And we can sing songs like the Canaan land, I'm on my way, where the soul of man never dies. The phrase, the pilgrims of the dispersion, when we look at the second most important thing, is the responsibility that it requires as Christians, as God's people, who are called pilgrims, to be separate. How do we to be separate? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Beloved, I begged you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in a day of visitation. James put it another way in James chapter 1 and verse 27. He says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Wow, somebody was getting ready to tell you what pure an undefiled religion looked like. I think I'd have my pen and pencil out and ready. When these received this, of course, they didn't have the written word. They just heard it. They had to, I'd be able to listen attentively. What is it, James, that's pure and undefiled? And he says, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Wow. Visit those who are in need. Visit the poor. Visit those who have been forgotten. Visit those who have lost all their loved ones and have no one else to share their home with anymore. They have the memories. Visit them. 
visit with them and share those memories as they tell the stories. That is pure and undefiled religion. Visit the home where the children have not a parent anymore. They are orphans. Visit a home where the children have a home that they cannot stay in any longer because it is such spotted by the world that it's not safe for them. That is our job. We know Jesus said, or John says in, in uh, 1 John, he says that the, as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from sin. It doesn't say, if you notice, to set in the light or just stand in the light. It says to walk in the light. We get this ideal that we're to be moving, to be doing, to be busy, walking along beside Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We may be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. In John 17, verse 15 and 16, Jesus' prayer, uh, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Remaining separate may cause some to think that we are strange. You're strange people. You're a strange person. In 1 Peter 4, and verse, uh, verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, Peter addresses this. It says, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, loss, drunkenness, rivalries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries, in regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dispensation, speaking evil of you. When we become a Christian, we leave that old life, that life of bondage to slavery, to sin, and its loss thereof. It's gone no more. It is true. You will have a different total set of friends. You become a child of God. That way of life no longer appeals to you. And there comes the freedom. The freedom that you have because you no longer want to participate in such evil doing because you knew where they led to. And you have the freedom and the willingness and the power to follow God in his will. But Jesus also said this would happen even it did to him. And in John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, he said, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would what? Love you as its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. We need to encourage our children to stand up to these things as they go through school and life. And there's so many things out there that take them in places that they do not or should not be. We need to learn that we have a place to stand and a path to journey down that we know others will frown upon, but we know where it leads to. Can it be said of us as Christians that we're keeping ourselves separated from the world, unspotted from the war, by the world, or are we allowing the world to influence us in such ways that it affects our speech, or in such a way that the world affects our conduct when we're around others, or on even the so many different platforms where you can share uh, yourself, the platforms of social media available today. Well, who are we there? Have we allowed the world to influence us? 
Are we allowed to allure the world to influence us in such a way that affects the way we think about our bodies? It's no longer a, a, a temple of God, but it's something that, that needs to be arrayed in such a way to bring attention to oneself. In other words, it influences the way we dress, the way we act, the way we think. If we are, then we are no longer pilgrims, but we become what? Naturalized citizens of the world. Remember John's warning. In 1 John chapter 2, verse, verses 15 through 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. This phrase of the pilgrim to dispersion should remind us also of our true home. Our third point that we want to drive uh, learn this morning. Our citizenship, where is it? It's in heaven, from which we eagerly await our Savior. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. We are to be looking for a new heaven and a new earth. 2 Peter chapter 3, in 13 and 14, it says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace. There it is again, without spot and blameless. That is where we will find our true home our home in the city. I wish it would have said country. I have a hard time living in the city. I don't know if that means I'm not going to make it. I'll be outside on the country in the green grass looking into the city where the streets of gold are, but I'll be fine. Which has foundations, a city whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11, 10 and also verse 16. That is the one to come the one that comes down out of heaven from God. Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 1, all the way through 22, chapter 22, verse 5, gives a very descriptive picture of this new heaven and new earth. I'll just read a few verses starting in verse 21.1. Now, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. As we read earlier, all this that we see is passing away. It's all going to be burned up someday, Peter tells us. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That is where we, who are now simply strangers and foreigners, scattered like seed, in this world will one day be gathered together. Are we pilgrims of dispersion? We are, if as Christians we are, view our life here on earth as just a journey in a foreign land. We keep ourselves separated from the world and things that will lead us away from God. Uh, remember the parable of the, of the sower in Luke uh, chapter 8. 
then he explains it and starts in verse 11. Now what uh, some of them were choked out by the world. We'll turn to that if you want to. Chapter 8, verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are those who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in times of temptation, they fall away. Their friends call them back, and they come running. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. In other words, the day-to-day hustle and bustle and being caught up in the things that are thrown at us through so many medias, TV, or take a hold and choke out the Christian journey and become filled with the cares and the riches, seeking after those things that we're bombarded with each and every day to fulfill the pleasures of life here, which is only temporary. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who have heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Our view of our true home is a heavenly city God has prepared for his children. It's not here, brothers and sisters. It's, uh, it's in Canaan's land. We're on that way. We will all one day cross the Jordan into our heavenly city and home. But you're not a pilgrim, realize, of the dispersion if you have not yet begun your spiritual journey by obeying the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ, our Lord and Savior, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. If you realize that you're a sinner and you know enough to realize that you need a Savior, and that Savior is our Lord and Savior Jesus, who shed his blood on the cross. And you're willing to confess that Jesus is your Lord and begin that journey. Walk with him the rest of the days of your life here on this foreign land to serve him. He has shown us the way to be unspotted from the world, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and all your being. Or, perhaps, if you've allowed the attractions of the world to discontinue your journey and to settle down into something that which would separate you from God, we pray for you. We pray that somehow we can reach you to turn you back on that journey. Perhaps you're here this morning and realize that you need a Savior. And you're willing, as we said, to confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And to submit to baptism where you come in contact with that blood was shed upon that cross, which continually cleanses you as long as you walk in the light. As we're going, as we're doing His will, we have that promise. And we journey to that home that God has prepared for us. And Jesus said he went away to prepare. If he's gone away, he will come back again. He's coming again. Are you ready? Or perhaps you've begun that journey, the cares of life have choked it out, and you stumbled, and you need the prayers and the help of the congregation to help you walk back in that path. That's what we're here for. We're here to help one another on the journey. 
It's not necessarily easy, but Jesus said, if you take upon him his yoke, his yoke is light and easy. It's when we cast all these other things upon that yoke that we have to bear and carry as we journey that we get covered up and plowed under by the world. If there's any way that we can help you, won't you come as together we stand in song, sing the selected song.